February 14, 2019, it's a lot from Pedro's show. Thank you. 
Gero there. Well, for Pedro's show, a bit very rainy. So, Cal here in my Pedro town, uh, last couple days, well, a lot of rain in February. Brother Matt, the last moment was unavailable, so I'm here in my pad. Though it's not totally man alone because of the wonders of those engineers in Estonia with their Skype software, I got uh, Mark Feldman with me. Hey, welcome aboard, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Absolute, absolute, my honor. Uh, we started the show off with uh, John Coltrane when he was uh, with Miles Davis doing Dr. Jackal. And then something from Mark Feldman's Level 5 featuring Oz North, a track uh, you did live called Doofus. Mark. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me your earliest musical recollection? Oh, all right. Well, that's probably me in my bedroom as a teenager listening to all this 70s rock stuff that I really was into, like Zeppelin and Queen and... uh Kiss and Steve Miller Band and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, this, this was the 70s, right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's when I was in high school and stuff, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm uh, class 76, San Pedro High, Georgie D. Boone. Uh, uh, where? Oh, I grew up in New York City, so uh, this is, you know, my childhood parents' apartment, um, so New York City kids all grow up in apartments mostly. Yeah. So I was in my bedroom. I had these two speakers mounted on the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I would play this stuff as loud as uh, my parents would tolerate it, which luckily for <laughs> me was pretty loud. Okay. Were, were they listeners or players or both? My parents were not musicians themselves, uh -huh. um, but... They were very uh, creative. Like my mom, she's a painter, um, and um, and my dad, he wasn't necessarily an artist in any way, but he was very, very encouraging to me uh, with anything creative that I wanted to do. So, like, I'm really indebted to him for how encouraging it was. It was really important to me growing. Sure, sure. So there's there was no instruments in the house then. Whoops, lost you. Moment, people. So, um, uh, yeah, encouragement from your pop. This is very important kind of stuff. Um, I wonder what about at school? Were you in like in the the band, uh, marching band, choir, some shit like that? No, I was. Um I went to a school, I went to Stuyvesant High School, and Stuyvesant High School in New York is like real focused on academics. Um, I think I so know the, where that is. Is this by that uh, Battery City Park? Yeah, that's that where that the weird, new one is. The, ah, that's was, right, the new one, that's right. Right. By the Tribeca right. Bridge, that weird trippy bridge. Right, right. There's a, so, a trippy little sculpture there called... Uh, I think his name is Jim Otterness or something. It's about it's a riff on DNA and evolution and stuff. Always tripped me out about that. So the school <laughs> they didn't really have an arts department. You're saying? Well, it wasn't that they didn't have one, but it it wasn't. It was more theater and stuff like that going on. But the thing is, is there were a lot of people at school who were into music. Like 
I don't know if you ever heard of this band, but there's a New York City band from that time period called Urban Blight. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so those guys were all on my high school. So there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so I was playing with different people, like starting, you know, the shitty bands that you have when you're first starting to play. Yeah, uh, well, so there was. let's get into that. Uh, how did you get on drums? <laughs> Say again? How did you get on drums? Well, I just, you know, when I was listening to music all the time, I just always focused on that for some reason. You know, like, you know, you probably started playing your instrument because that's what you heard when you listened to music. No, and it was Dee Boone's no? Ma told me I was going to be the bass player. I didn't even know fucking what it was. <laughs> oh, all right. All right, well, then there's that. I'm story. very grateful to her, though. <laughs> that's hilarious. But well, I was um, 12 years old. Like, right. what kind of, what, what are we talking about before you're a teenager? When you get on drums, I was actually uh, I was actually a teenager. I was like thirteen years old. Okay, and uh, so I just that was what spoke to me in music. So I I just went to my parents and I was like, "Listen, I'm like reading all this these drum magazines. I was like obsessed with it." Yeah, and I just said, "Can you know? Can I take drum lessons?" and you know, they were like, yeah, sure. So we found this teacher and I started taking lessons. And um, I had this little practice pad in my bedroom, you know, in the apartment. Sure. And it was, you know, a couple of years before I got a real drum set. Probably two years later, um, we got a used drum set for me. What about this teacher? Was he good? Yeah. You know, his name was Charlie Davidman. Okay. And he was like a New York rock drummer. And yeah, he was a really good drummer. Um, he taught me how to read music. You know, he got me into the like basics of technique. And uh, yeah, he was he was a pretty happening teacher. I dug it. You know, I forgot to ask you, what was the first record you bought for yourself? Oh wow, that's interesting. That's a hard one. <laughs> um, I don't know of the the records that come to mind of the beginning for me yeah. were like. Um, Houses of the Holy, Led Zeppelin. Um, uh, that Queen record that has "We Will Rock You" on it. Um, Hotel California, Eagles, and Love Gun by Kiss. Those are like, and then also "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" by Elton John. Those are probably the re- kind of records that I first, first was buying. Do beginning. you remember the first gig you went and saw? Um. I do, but I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> it's okay. There's no wrong All answer. Right. All right, you're gonna. It's okay. It's it's uh, when the first show I ever went to, like big show, yeah. was David Cassidy at Madison Square Garden. Oh, Partridge Family. Yeah. I love the Partridge Family, yeah. man. I wanted to fucking be him. Okay, but he played guitar. <laughs> he did, but I was just like, oh man, he's a fucking rock star. Yeah. All the chicks dig him. He's so cool. I loved his hair. I wanted to be fucking David Cassidy. Yeah. That whole era of the young guy for girls, that's kind of gone now. Yeah, that whole Tiger Beat thing. Yeah, man, right, you know? right. Yeah, no, it's not like that anymore, really. That's okay. Things change. That's yeah, the only thing that stays the same. So, um, you get after a couple of years of practice pad, you get a kit. Now, do you play this kit in the apartment? No, no. Okay. I... Um, the, the good thing about my situation and being in New York City is um, I have an aunt. Um, 
her name is Jane, Aunt, Auntie Jane, I call her. Yeah. And Auntie Jane is an artist, and she has a loft ah. down in Chinatown where she does all her artwork. Sure. And she was so cool. She was like, oh, yeah, Mark, if you want to play your drums in my loft, you can do that. I'll bet you. Okay, yeah, so, so you had like a prac pad, yeah. Yeah. Happening, very happening. So you were saying earlier that the kind of bands you get into, like uh, Cats After School, The Basement, the, this prac pad or the garage yeah. or something, you started doing bands like and it was your 70s, so I'm, I'm thinking, did you guys copy off records or did you start writing tunes? No, we were like learning other songs, you know, yeah, we were yeah. like... That's what um, we did too. Yeah, like, I think the first song I ever learned how to play was Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner <laughs> Overdrive. We saw them a few times. <laughs> yeah. So we were doing stuff like that. <laughs> we really liked the first record, but they had a lot of success for them. Uh, that had Randy Bachman from the Guess Who. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And his, two of his brothers, and then Fred Turner, the guy who wasn't a brother. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and, that was a great band. Yeah, and they're kind of big guys, Canadian guys with the flannels. D. Boone loved them. <laughs> I liked them. Oh, yeah. I liked them because D. Boone. Yeah. So, do you remember the first time you played in front of people? Um, You know, I started playing gigs probably when I was like 15 or 16. Uh-huh. And um, I... I have a, a couple of memories of like I don't remember the name of the club, but there was this band I played in with where I was like a kid, and these guys were like adults in their thirties. Yeah, and we were playing like blues like songs, like we were playing stuff like you know Tobacco Road and stuff oh, like yeah. that. That's and um, and we played at some club. Uh, in the East Village somewhere, and I can't remember the name of it. But, um, but yeah, like I was worried they weren't going to let me in because I definitely wasn't old enough to be in there. <laughs> okay. I want to play here a uh, swagger. Took a oh, little cool. swagger to do that from your level five band, okay?
could it be? I'm no Capra movie. You'll be marrying me, Judge Bailey. Let's throw a stone, make a wish.
Executives, pro athletes, and even the U.S. Marines. It's not a miracle cure, but I like to say it makes you about 10% happier. Much more on that tomorrow night right here. Right here. And uh, again, Dan, for all of us who've been through this with you, wow.
Watt for Pedro Shovey. Yeah, start off that chunk of music with Swagger from Mark Feld, Feldman's Level 5. And then uh, Lauren with a collection of rarities. And this tune called Straight Pipes. Uh, Jay Maligans with uh, Lasso of the Moon. Uh, me and Larry uh, did rhythm section for him. The Desert last, last February. It's been a year now. Uh, after that was... Uh, yeah, my buddy Penny in Finland uh, flowed me this Sivia uh, Sawo from Faro Printagankas Gankas and Nubialaleset. <laughs> yeah, my Finnish. Sorry, Penny. <laughs> Christ. But it's good music. I love it. it it's some contest uh, in, a, in a sauna. Who can, like, withstand the most? You ever done Schwitz and stuff? It's so intense. Your heart is racing. You're not moving one inch, Mark, you know, but your heart is working so hard because of the, the heat. I love it. Right. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of more the dry with the cedar, the sauna. The Schwitz is yeah. more the steam. I like both. I like the Schwitz a little better. Yeah, um, I like the steam room. I can yeah. get into that. Talk about getting purified. <laughs> Purged. Yeah. <laughs> Pushing out all that. And then uh, the cold shower right after your pores get big enough to drop pennies in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay, then uh, uh, Nogales from the Odes. That's got uh, Ted Milton, who was on the show a couple weeks ago out in England. Also, uh, London, uh, Crushed by Pimps with Happier Part 5. Uh, no Balls from Graf out of the Netherlands. A guy by Voices, Liar's Box. Yeah, Bob Pollard has put, I think, the 103rd album. <laughs> this guy. Just keep doing it. And finally, Jabberjaw, Mark Feldman's level five. So, okay, you were scared about getting in, but when, when you started playing and stuff, was it scary then? Was it okay, that first gig? Yeah, you know, surprisingly, I I don't remember really being nervous. Okay. Um, and I think it was just so much fun for me. And plus, I was a kid, you know? Sure. It's funny, like, I get... I've gotten more nervous as an adult for different kinds of gigs, you know? Yeah, of course. When, you're, when I was a kid, I didn't know any better. I was just like, this is fun. I'm playing drums. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So uh, those early experiences, early gigs, they were all around town. Uh, yeah. Did you ever start, when did you start, uh, like, the traveling thing, playing other towns? Like, when I got a little bit older, um, you know, when I started playing, like, actually professionally then there was some touring stuff that would happen like um you know there was this band in my 20s i was in this band on a&m called hearts and minds yeah and um so we did a bunch of touring opening for different people and so that started a little later yeah and what was that like did you like the adventure of a uh, of course playing music but the idea of going to other towns you know me and D Boone being Minutemen and stuff, we we were pretty econo. This is some people, yeah, they, we call them vacations, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, loved yeah. It. Because what what struck me was you would read in the Cream magazine and stuff, and people would be crying, "Oh, I have to tour, and it's such a bummer." And like we were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, when can I do that again? <laughs> yeah, I want right. to do that more. <laughs> right, right. It was fun. What about studio? When was the first time you got the studio? Kind of around the same time. 
uh, in my 20s, I think. Oh, the people started. band. Yeah, yeah, of course. You guys must have made an album to tour, right? Well, yeah, that's true. We made an album, and then uh, the guy who was producing us was this guitar player named Mike Wanchik, who was uh, Mellencamp's guitar player. And so I actually wound up meeting Kenny Aronoff because uh, he was, yeah, and he was John Strummer then. And um, originally, actually, I wasn't supposed to play on the record. The record company wanted Kenny to play on it. And um, and my singer kind of, you know, had a fit about it and stood up for me. And so I got to play on the record with Kenny. We sort of both played on different tracks. And that was an education for sure. It was great having a guy like <laughs> you know, that. I think he spent some years in Black Oak, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been around. That guy, very versatile, very happening guy uh, yeah i mean he's played with that guy's played with everybody a lot of cats of, yeah so in a way even though it was kind of lame yeah this guy's got you know you're supposed to be the drummer man in a way you got to like kind of mentor with him yeah we became friends and then you know he he started recommending me for stuff so ah, so it was that, a good connect that was big yeah good really connect. big that was a big deal that i met him and and he was being helpful like that. He was a, he's a great guy, Kenny. Yeah, uh, that's, that's really trippy about the label and the producer and making decisions like that. I think that's kind of in the past. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't even understand how you get on a record label anymore or why you would want to at this point <laughs> in history. You know? Like, like I had a uh, lady on last week. And it was the same old story. I made the album. They said there was no hits, so I had to make it again. Can you believe that shit? Right. And plus, if you're making records now for the for the big labels, yeah. usually it's just it's just either the big pop stuff or the rap stuff, which is kind of pop now anyway. Have, uh, you, have and, you heard of this disgusting thing called 360? I mean, those deals? Yeah. Yeah, that's... You know, that's like a joke. They get a piece of your goddamn shirts. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, that's what, because they fucked up so badly yeah, with the, yeah. the model, the business model. They didn't understand how to pivot. Well, they and, wanted everybody to rebuy their collection. Right. And then that's over now. It backfired like, we don't on them. Yeah. It's just streaming. We don't fucking need to buy anything anymore. <laughs> it's cloud rock. But... Some old traditions, like playing in front of people, that's still strong. <laughs> well, thank God. Thank God for that. You know? And that's how we can make money. Actually, uh, if you look at the whole history of music, only one little blip was putting you on a media and selling it. Most of it has had to been performed in front of people. Right. Yeah. Right. Which ain't and a bad luckily, thing. I like that. So yeah, I, I, do I do too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a yeah. hundred years they could do that one way, but out of all the thousands of years of human existence, yeah, yeah, so, that's not going to change. Hopefully, you know, yeah. I can't imagine. It's like a thing, man. You go somewhere, all these people are like bopping their heads together. There's nothing like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's, you know, people's minds get skewed. You know, they think, well, yeah, if the Berlin Walls, you know, were physical. All of them. We could just take a hammer. But a lot of them are in the heads. <laughs> yeah, totally. It seems like that. that's, Mark, yeah. that's a big, a big problem. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. The clear, uh, clearing out and following out, and uh, 
You know, I got to tell you, though, too, speaking about paradigms and the way things should be, what about this attitude that drummers, you know, are kind of stupid? Oh, man. You know, it's funny. I was just talking to someone about that the other day. That's just, you know, it's such bullshit. (laughs) There's research that shows that drummers are smarter than everyone else. Yeah. And we're all all basically playing little drum patterns anyway, unless you're like Paganini doing some virtuoso, melodic kind of thing. We're all doing little licks. In fact, the big mistake, I think... Last minute man made with George Hurley was putting him in the back. All my bands now, I've put the drummers way up front on stage. I don't have this oh, wow. shit in the back anymore. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I see yeah. Max Roach, you know, he had everybody in a line. Yeah, that guy was fucking smart as shit. All of those guys, <laughs> you know, all the great jazz drummers, man. Any, any rock drummer who people think is great usually stole half their tricks from the jazz guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, you listen to uh, Mitch Mitchell. And some yeah. song like uh, Stand my t- Next to My Fire, you know. He's yeah. like, I'm going to show you everything I know how to do. <laughs> yeah. And that guy was a one song. maniac. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. And, and this idea of genre, too, th- there's another marketing ploy. I mean, music is music, right? It is more than ever, I think. Yeah, so the, the genre and all this crap... You know, beat, you, you, you're you classifying things down to beats per mi- minute or... Major yeah. chords I mean, and minor chords. <laughs> I understand it because, you know, people need to uh, put things in boxes just so they understand, well, I like this. Oh, I like this kind of music. Well, then is this like that? I, You know, I get that. But I think what's going to change everything is there's going to be something new that's going to bl- blow everything open soon. Uh, no one knows what it is, but something's going to change. You I know, rap has you. been... You know, it's it's getting old. <laughs> I agree with you. Look, we're at yeah. the end of the first hour, uh, February 14, 2019, Dishwaff Peter Show, special guest, Mark Feldman. Hold tight for hour two. February 14, 2019, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Madison in the beautiful Midwest comes a roller derby league that is among the best. We are four teams strong and one that is national. Better listen to my song and you can follow my rationale because I'm talking derby and they know how to skate. And as our league grows strong, it is quite a story I relate. We started with two teams and with a brawl on the floor. The dust settled at the rink and now there are four. We worked through the seasons from our exhibition game. We passed the mile markers and we're headed toward fame. From number four in the nation with the Eastern Conference, we were winning some games. We were building up confidence because we have a team, and that is pretty darn good. The Dairy Line Dolls can go get them, so you better knock on wood. They come from all four teams to make up the one. You can tell that they work from the games that they won. The four teams that are local range from sweet to the odd. The Vaudeville Vexens, the Reservoir Dolls, the Unholy Rollers, and the Quad Squad. We sell out our local venue with each and every home game. Those really four teams really work out. They are slowly gaining local fame. Roller Derby is very fun. Come and see the Dolls play. The Mad Rollin' Dolls are great. They will really make your day. For a non-profit organization, the Dolls are making their mark. You should go and catch some Derby. It's great fun after dark.
What for Pedro Show start off the second hour. Mark Feldman's level five doing Reverend BG live. Where was that recorded at? That was recorded at the bitter end bitter in New York City. Me and Raymond Pettibone saw Sonny Rollins play there. Oh wow. Long time ago. Yeah. That's a serious I mean that place has been there for since I think sixty one or sixty two. Sure. It's so many tunes of and stories I've heard about that went down there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from the Balkans, we got uh, Trobakova Kushne Peshi with Princha O Zvermu Miru. Zvermiru, sorry. And then Shumsky from Zagreb with uh, Melancholia. Chobur out of Madison, Wisconsin, with looks like hurt in a skirt. And finally, It Factor, Phaeton and Coils. Uh, it Factor is something you flowed me. It's not level five. No. Uh, well, enlighten me. Well, It Factor was this fusion band that I was in. Um, and the players in that band were so good. Yeah. And they wanted to play really crazy stuff, like like that song "Fading in Coils" is, yeah. is was written by Bill Bruford. Yeah, and Incredible like drama. the main group, the main group is in nine. And what do you think of that stuff? <laughs> when you well, play, like last, uh, you know, I had uh, Italian guys come over. I got a band called El Sonido de Mayo. I'm in with these, and one of these songs was an eleven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? You like that stuff? Can you feel that stuff? The sevens and fives and I mean, I listen to Captain Bihar for all the time, but to play it, yeah, you know, <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with it. Honestly, okay. like it's the kind of thing, especially I think drummers at some point they maybe get sick of playing, you know, four four all the time, so yeah. they just decide they're gonna, like, for example, like Simon Phillips, the drummer, um, sure. Is, he's a friend of mine, and he told me. I asked him how come he plays, you know, because he plays open-handed, where his, he doesn't cross his hands, yeah, like the like the way Billy Cobham plays. Yeah, so Billy Cobham. Plays. Yeah. So I asked him why did you do that, and he goes, he goes, I just got bored, and he's like, I I just decided I was not gonna, I was just gonna only play left-handed for a whole year and see what happened. <laughs> And that's what happened. What I heard, read about Billy Cobham was he's part of this New York City thing called drum corps or something in, in the schools, high schools. And oh, the yeah. discipline. Uh, I read yeah. this thing where, like, they're holding a quarter on a bulkhead on a wall with paradiddles. And they get oh, it wow. down to dimes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you look that's at Billy crazy. Cobham's uh, drum heads, and there's, like, one dimple in the middle. <laughs> Like these guys, right. their accuracy, their discipline. Yeah, he's pretty precise. I saw um, the Birds of Fire, Mahavishnu Orchestra, and he was in that band. And, oh yeah, I that's mean, what, what, amazing. But there's something weird about fusion, though, too, in a way, right? Well, yeah. The thing is, is like the stuff on this EP, the Level Five EP, yeah, is about as fusiony as I really want to go, <laughs> and it's not that weird. Uh, most of it has a like a decent straight up pocket that you can feel. And, um, you know, the, I guess the joke is like, you can't dance to 13, eight. 
you know? And and you want people to dance. Like, you want people to be able to tap their feet and dance. And, and so I'm sort of moving away from that stuff a little bit at this point. You know, it's what you grow up with, too, because I got to say, like, I was just playing some Balkan music. A lot of that stuff's in seven. But oh, it's yeah. played like umpa, like polka and colas and... Yeah. So if you're growing up like, with it, you know what I mean? You, you learn to dance yeah. to it because, yeah. It's, uh, but for yeah. somebody else, I remember I, I had to learn one of these tunes and I had to use a mnemonic device, taco, taco, burrito. <laughs> right, so you'd know where you were. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, it's a crazy thing, right? Because in other cultures, like these different time signatures are the way it is. It is, yeah, so, right, right. Imagine if we grew up and all like American right. music was in like eleven, like we'd all think eleven was fucking happening. <laughs> right. Because you think I think about John Coltrane and Elvin and actually Nels Klein told me Elvin got a lot of shit for just bringing in three or six eight, you know, jazz waltz. All that right. stuff's four four. They were really strict, even though they were wild with the harmonics. Right. Well then he must have really fucked people up because <laughs> you know, because he's the guy who started playing all this triplet stuff that was right, no right. one had ever played before he started he must have i'm pretty sure he freaked people out a lot in the beginning yeah there's a on youtube.com you there's like a half hour documentary on him called the different drummer and he talks about yeah. people not wanting to play with him right actually he was thinking of the drums as colors and he was painting but then right. uh john coltrane evolves to uh or evolves to, of his journey he takes him to rashid ali who's playing even less time <laughs> right, right. I mean, Elvin was a genius. Yeah, know? yeah. I got to see him a lot, Pettibone. You know, because he lived in Nagasaki, so he'd start these tours over here, the Jazz Machine. Oh, oh right. So I, I got to see him eight or nine times. And sometimes it was like your gig. He's playing for you, you know. Those, the scene was so small, and I just, incredible respect for him. Yeah, a lot of those absolutely. cats. A lot of those cats. Uh, I agree. So, 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 so tell me how Level 5 uh, came about. Well, Level 5 happened because one of the other, two of the other records that I dug when I was a kid, which I didn't mention before, are the two Jeff Beck instrumental records. Oh, Wired by and Blow by Blow. Exactly. Yeah. I loved those records. And I always wanted to play in a band like that. And so it wasn't the kind of stuff that was coming across my table, really. Like, I wasn't winding up in those bands, and I just decided I had to put something together myself. Yeah, and of course. That's really why. You know, I want to play Red Baron here. Do, do you know Spectrum? Yeah, I mean, I love Spectrum. I that's think why. Uh, that was the first drummer, Billy Cobham, to, yeah. to get a gold record. Yeah. And the last two song well it's it's part one and part two called snoopy versus the red bear <laughs> does yeah. this have something to do with that i think so okay. um you know what i don't know the history of it but i just knew that this was like my favorite billy cobham tune that hadn't been played to death by everybody else <laughs> yeah the first tune quadrant four uh, that was you know george hurley you know, Minuteman. he learned off billy cobham and keith moon he bought the, oh, wow. the Happy Jack record, and he bought this Spectrum record. Got some headphones, yeah. got rid of the making surfboards, and taught himself drums with them two records. Yeah, let's listen. Wow.
I could see it happening, feel it happening. Seemingly unrelated events all coming together to a focused point. I have never, ever felt that way ever again of being swept up into, pushed along by history towards a singularity. It was mono. Shit hits fan. This song is called Beggar's Bullets, uh, which is Irish slang, uh, street fighting slang for rocks, usually thrown at uh, uh, occupying British troops. It's also subtitled Captain Tripp's Bums Clevo, or what a short, dull trip it was. It's a picture of blackened stage, and then on a rear screen, images fade up and out of Water Street in downtown Kent, Ohio, on the evening of May 1st, 1970. There's Walder's Cafe, there's a bonfire in the middle of the street, a cruising cop car, police in riot gear, some shattered storefront windows, finally a looted hardware and lawn care store, and then, then a shot of Steve Drucker with an expression of absurd glee wielding a green Scots lawn fertilizer spreader down Main Street. And then a pin spot hits this performer with an acoustic guitar, and it's me, and I sing this song. Holster that fist, boy, mm, that's what I used to say Back in the days when I had words and reason in my armory Gone, all gone, wasted, I gunned and arrested My words netted in their newspapers, reason bounced off their helmets For history, we plot in poverty and silence You know we have to they took away our drum Every window is my enemy's eye And every rock is a beggar's bullet And when I bring the two together It's my turn, my time This street is my state I am a riot not just some whiner With a city's worth of sidewalks Now stacked in my armory And I'm a poet I rhyme in cobblestone granite The art of the instant arc My only ideology And every window's my manifesto And every rock is a beggar's bullet and when I bring the two together It's my turn, my time This street is my state When I see a mountain I see ammunition Beggars, bullets flying Through your television Beggars, bullets flying through your television Into your living room Past the corner of Tank and Bayonet Down all those lovely boulevards Now draped in gas and barricade Am I senseless? No 
exhilarated Absolutely, cause one thing that's for sure I ain't no victim anymore And every window Every window is the excruciating tension Between yes and no Between the only two choices I ever seem to have Of either being anxious or depressed And every window is my skin My song My biography And every rock is a beggar's bullet And when I bring the two together It's my turn, my time This street is my state When I see a mountain I see ammunition When I see a mountain I see ammunition Beggars, bullets flying Through your televisions Beggars, bullets flying Through your televisions The song pauses for the guitar solo. A slide fades up of Jeff Miller, one of four students killed at Kent State on May 4th, 1970. And they use that picture, that innocent, idealistic high school picture that all the TV stations used. I hold up Jeff's sweater that I never returned, and then his copy of the Dead's album, Live Dead, that I also never returned. The solo sounds like this. I had all their records. I had all their records and I played them so many times I'd worn them out. Then I'd buy new ones and wear them out. Even today I can sing every note, every drum part, every solo, from St. Stephen straight through to Turn On Your Love Light. I can could play them too. I brought my drum set down to school, but my roommates had said, uh-uh, we've got to study this quarter, and so it being the twang age and all, I'd gone out and bought my first electric guitar, a single cutaway Les Paul Jr. for 50 bucks. It would be worth around 500 now. I got the money working part-time at an antique shop called Airflow Junk, the owner paying me $10 a day under the table, unless he was high. Then he would ask, have I paid you yet? And I'd say, no. And this would happen two or three times on a good day. Now I would spend hours noodling along with their tunes, especially the ones on the live album, until I got the licks right, and was very impressed that a band of known drug abusers could play a song in 11-8 time and more or less come down on the one together. The music was only a simple major scale, book one, page one, lesson one. But to me, that was the beauty of it. So imagine my excitement when I opened the Cleveland Plain Dealers Friday magazine and saw that for one night and one night only, Belkin Brothers proudly presenting in their first area appearance, The Grateful Dead. Now, on D-Day, seven or eight of us cut classes, piled into my VW, drove the 30 miles from Kent to Cleveland, coped with a flat tire, no spare, and ran out of gas twice. See, my Bugs fuel delivery system had a hole in it. It could only take an eighth of a tank at a time, no gas gauge either. 
But we had anticipated all this. We'd left six hours before showtime so we could get lost. We had the proper amount of controlled substances in our bloodstreams. We knew there was a long journey ahead of us. After all, this was the dead. So there would be adventures built in and ordeals to endure and little trials and challenges to experience and that we could and we would triumph because when it came right down to it, we knew this one shining truth. We were immune. Nothing could stop us. And so, of course, we found a parking space right in front of public hall. Proof? And so, of course, we bumped into the rest of the Kent contingent in the lobby. More proof. And, ooh, the stage was so beautiful. Could you believe all that equipment? They'd replaced the stock speaker cabinet grill cloth of their guitar amplifiers with tie-dye. Even the PA stacks were tie-dye. And even, hey, there they were. Even the band was in tie-dye. And jumping like a willies in four-wheel drive. But as good as it was, it was... It was not good enough. I had to get closer, closer. I wanted to be the music, not watch it. It seemed so, so phony, so square, this arbitrary fourth wall concept separating band on stage from people in audience. Were we all one? And didn't, didn't we lose so much with the artificial divisions we were forced, forced to live with, dictated, mind you, dictated by a straight society who didn't know, they, they just didn't know. The Hells Angels, who had been hired as concert security, had all gone to take a collective leak or gang rape, a hippet or something. And magic, magic, magic of magics, there was an open door right by the stage. No one was watching it. The band had drifted into Dark Star, and they had fired a spotlight at that cut glass mirrored ball, and pinpoints of light creamed around the hall fast at first, and then slowly slowed down, and then... Actually went the other way, and no one else has seen the unguarded door but me. It was for me. There are no accidents. I uh, a, a path had been cleared, and it was my duty and destiny to take it. So in I went, and the next thing I knew, I was in the wings on the stage, and oh, it was wonderful. And this beautiful lady said hi to me, and it was Mountain Girl, the Mountain Girl, a real merry prankster. And she smiled at me and asked if I wanted a beer, and I said yeah. And she showed me a whole washed up, a whole wash tub of iced cores and I had one of the band's beers then I had a few more and then I heard the unmistakable opening lines to Saint Stephen the patron saint of Hungary I am half Hungarian it was no accident there are no accidents and off we went and I knew the rumors must be true that Owsley had really brewed up a batch of his finest and had put it in a mason jar and before each show Garcia would dip his fingers in it it's true I was there it sounded like it anyway and I was it and I sang along and I danced <clears throat> and we worked it we that's right we we worked through the whole two sides of the album and I was the band the band was me and Pigpen lurched into Love Light and I sang along and then I grabbed two empty beer cans and I started playing and when the percussion breaks came right on cue, I knew where they were. I was on Jerry's side of the stage, and I was banging along and singing and dancing and staring at that wonderful face, so deep-lined and wise, with that wonderful beatific look of pure knowing. And I sang louder and banged the cans harder, and that wonderful face, its halo of hair, slowly, it took forever, drifted, floated over to me, and he was no more than a foot away. I could smell the sweat and the reefer smoke on him, and from out of that wonderful mouth and those twinkling eyes came at the top of his lungs, will you shut the fuck up, you fucking asshole? I sold my guitar back to the guy I bought it from for $35 and lent my drums to my friend Jeff Miller. He didn't get to play them much. Three weeks later, he was shot and killed by the Ohio National Guard. So when I see a mountain, I see ammunition. 
When I see a mountain, I see ammunition. Beggars, bullets flying through your televisions. I wanna see beggars, bullets flying through your televisions. And then the image on the screen behind me changes to uh, the photo of Jeff Miller in a headband and cowboy shirt just before he was shot, you know, the one where he's given the finger to the Ohio National Guard. And then the image is all fade away, fade to black, and the world has changed forever.
you know, there's that famous, you, you hear those tapes, the famous yeah, of course. tapes. I've got it yeah. memorized, Mark. <laughs> yeah, they're hilarious. One more clam out of any of you, and you're through. <laughs> I'm up here working yeah. my ass off. You motherfuckers yeah. clamming all over this joint. Anyway, it's we just amazing. heard uh, Red Baron, Mark Feldman's Level 5. Uh, Beggar's Bullets from Chris Butler out of uh, Akron, Cleveland. Uh, Dietrich, I guess if you live over there, there's a big difference, so I didn't mean to blur you guys together. Dietrich and Barnes with uh, Out Up and About. That's John Dietrich from Deerhoof. And finally, Sybil from Mark Feldman's Level 5. Where'd you get the name Level 5? All right, it's a sort of a goofy story, right, as most band name stories are. (laughs) My wife and I were on vacation in Las Vegas, and we were staying in a pretty nice hotel, and we were we were talking about what the name should be. The recording was done. I was trying to figure out what I was going to call it. And um, we're talking about this name and that name. And all of a sudden, we're in the elevator in this hotel. And the, the elevator stops and the doors open. And this fucking computerized voice goes, Welcome to Level 5. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, Level 5. That's the name. The elevator told me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> further <laughs> that's great yeah. look we're at the end of the second hour February 14, 2019 Dish Wap Show special guest Mark Feldman hold tight for hour three February 14, 2019 it's the third hour of the Wap for Pedro Show It's still, it's a hot night Love is growing in the trees It's burning in the lights Miles and miles Empty blue sky Gonna have a little rain, babe My mouth is so dry, I said I
Watford Pedro show. We start off the second hour with uh, Move Mountains from David uh, D'Alessio. And here's Mark Feldman to tell you about uh, the session you had. Yeah, so uh, there's a producer who I've worked for a bunch. His name is Felix McTeague. Yeah. And uh, so he called me to do this session. And this was David D'Alessio. He wrote some pretty cool songs. And it's just a different aspect of my playing. Yeah. You know, just laying it down like a pocket, like a pop record. Yeah. And I dug the feel of it. And I thought the song was pretty cool, you know. So I, I wanted to share it. You know, uh, when you think of pop... Uh, what about uh, uh, the Dan and uh, who's on the Royal Skim? Bernard Purdy. Yeah, Mr. probably Purdy. among other people. Yeah, what about, yeah. What about Mr. Purdy? Uh, the, that shuffle he's got. That's I mean, pretty pop a, music, amazing. right? But it's pretty sophisto. Yeah, I mean, he's. I'm pretty sure that that shuffle is where. Uh, I think that's where Jeff Percaro got the Rosanna beat. Okay. Or maybe... And I think uh, he's all over uh, Katie Light. Oh, yeah. Well, all those drummers on those Steely Dan records are always amazing. They're the great... They're the best drummers in the world, usually the best studio guys. Steve Gadd, Jim Keltner. I got to record with Jim Keltner last year. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That must Beautiful be amazing. Beautiful man. Sweet, sweet guy. From, uh, Tulsa, he told me uh, Leon Russell brought him out. Many oh, years wow. Ago. Yeah. Joe Cocker. And, uh, yeah. What a beautiful guy. I mean... I was yeah, just I so very lucky to, to, get that, to get that. So, yeah, different kind of people bring out different things in you. That makes sense. Whenever, yeah. whenever you play something, you're getting you're practicing for the next time you're going to play, right? Yeah. <laughs> then out Baltimore, we had Mold Omen, D- uh, David Nesselhoff uh, out of uh, Hamburg with, uh, oh yeah, Mold Omen song, Which State B three, and then Transneptunians number one from David Nesselhoff. Hamburg and Mancy, Moon and Stars, Mancy. That's got you on the drums. Yeah, man. So Mancy is the band. That's how I met my wife. So that singer and guitarist and the songwriter for Mancy, um, that's my wife, Andrea Feldman, formerly Andrea Fishman. And Mancy is a band she's had since she was 15 years old. She grew up in Boston. And um, when she was like 15, she was on the cover of the arts page of the Boston Globe with Mancy. Like, Mancy's been around. Okay. Well, I'm going to play another song by Mancy called Les Artistes. Yeah. The Artists. Yeah. Okay.
Wow, for Beaver Show, uh, yeah, that was Mancy with uh, Les Artistes. And then Spain here, Charlie Hayden's son, uh, Josh Tangerine, Ali from Japan with Alt Ison. And finally, Mark Feldman's Level 5 with Wabash. Something live. Uh, speaking of the EP, where did you record it? Um, we recorded it at um, Virtue and Vice uh, Studio in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And also DeGraw Sound, another studio in Brooklyn. Okay. And uh, producer man? I'm, I'm the producer. Yeah. I like yeah, hearing first, that. I first like time it. out producing. Okay. There's something about it, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, Mark, I, I read this it. thing about Chico. Nels Klein actually told me about it, too. Chico Hamilton in the 60s. Wanting yeah. to get writing credits for songs. Drummers can't write songs. What? Right. And I've run in this with bass, too. Even a project right. I did a couple years ago with Nels and the younger guy that was with us. Oh, yeah, Watt just gave some bass lines. Man, I had choruses, verses, bridges. But right. you know what I mean? There's this weird, inside our little racket, there's some kind of a hierarchy. Yeah. Ain't digging yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm at the bottom of it. For some <laughs> but if you ask me, you guys are running the show. You know, and that's, I think there's just some jealousy that people are in denial about. Well, the drummer's the right out in front. Here I'm doing rhythm. It's rhythm music. It's the heartbeat. It's the most fun instrument to play, I think. Yeah. I have a friend who's a keyboard player, who's an amazing keyboard player, and he, he's always saying, his name is Steve Blanco, he plays in the live level five band, and he's always saying to me, man, you play the best instrument, I wanted to play drums, man, but I, people were yelling at me, it was too loud, <laughs> I played keyboards. You know, I met Cola Pandit, the organ player, helped uh, invent the oh, P3, wow. and he showed, yeah, me and Pettibone, after the gig, went back, he had a little helper man, and he was very uh, into rapping and talking, and he, the, these kind of karate chops. His whole idea, he said, to get them voices on the B3, he wanted it played percussively. Right, right. And I you know, in the old like, days, piano, guitar, bass, drums, they were all in the rhythm section. Right. All of them. Right, yeah. And then, you know, as electric instruments, yeah, you could be like a fake violin or something, or, or a string section. Right, you know, because your amplifier and so the roles started changing, but we all actually were together as the rhythm. Yeah, man, yeah. I wish people knew about that. Uh, so the EP's com coming out, and uh, you're going to play some gigs, a tour. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be playing some gigs around town, uh, and um, you know, um, yeah, we're just going for it. You know, you being the producer. You'd have to deal with like, hey, we want Kenny on the drums. <laughs> right, I get to, I get to do that. Get to I get to say that. I'm the fucking drummer, so fuck off. Yeah, yeah. That comes to a good point here. Uh, what about younger people getting into this? What advice would you give them, Mark? Well, that's a great question. Uh, it's funny because I still seek advice too. Sure, but but. I think that the the biggest thing is that the two big things are first you got to get really good at whatever it is that you do. So however you have to do that, find a great teacher and practice your ass off. You have to practice a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, 
and all the good musicians, all the really great musicians have put in ridiculous amounts of time doing that. So, so that's number one, work really hard at it and get, get good guidance. Um, and then number two is just like be a good person, be a guy who people want to be around. Um, <laughs> right. Because that's yeah. what I noticed is that the, the most successful musicians that I've been meeting, like a good example is Will Lee, right. Who played on the, the record. Bass on the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So now this guy is, he's maybe the most famous bass player, you know, in the world. He's certainly one of them. And he's played on so many records and he's always working. And when I met him, immediately he put me at ease and I liked him immediately because he had so much charisma. He was so nice and it was genuine. And so I learned from that, okay, that's it. If you want to be successful, you, you got to be a guy people want to be around. You have to just be a good hang. Yeah, and the uh, opposite of like the entitled, hey, I'm a genius, I'm a, a virtuoso or some shit. Yeah, that won't get you very far, especially <laughs> not not these days. Yeah. Uh, my favorite quote is, do you have any idea who I think I am? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Like, I, you know, again, the only guy who got away with it was Buddy Rich, because that's how good he was. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me about the music business <laughs> that tape I got that thing memorized uh, something else uh, yeah it's such a blast getting to, to rap with you about this what, what's the next plans isn't it trippy when you get something done it's like oh man yeah yeah because it's kind of like your baby is being born and it's like what are you going to do now <laughs> another <So>, baby <laughs> yeah uh, I'm uh yeah, I'm thinking about what to do next and what material should be recorded and when to start recording. And yeah, so I'm just I'm thinking about what the next project is uh, and how I'm going to do it. Okay. But something's going to happen soon. Great, great. Uh, tell people where they can find you on the Internet. Uh, they can find uh, Level 5 at level5music.com. And if you were interested in me as a drummer, uh, you could find me at markfeldman.org. That's great. You got your own website. I try to tell people this. You can do all that other stuff, but it's more like putting flyers on their telephone poles. Right. Uh, when you have your own website, it's like you got your own fanzine. No filter, right. no middleman. <laughs> right. You could write all the articles, too. <laughs> <laughs> man it's been a blast having you on I love your music I love what you're doing I love your spirit Mark thank you so much man I really appreciate it I've, I've enjoyed talking to you a lot okay good 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 guy man a beat a stick man with a beat in his hand I love I'm it trying yeah people it's been a February 14 2019 edition of Pedro Show special guest Mark Feldman keep your powder dry <laughs> <laughs>